You guys, this, this study on the Holy Spirit has absolutely blown my mind. I, I have never been so like fired up and yet convicted because I, I believe that my biggest sin against Cornerstone Church for the last 13 and a half years, I believe my biggest sin has been my neglect of the Holy Spirit. Sure, I teach a couple of messages here or there on the Holy Spirit, but the more I'm studying about Him, the more I'm going, no stinking way. How did I miss this? How have I not taken Him more seriously? Friday night, Friday night, my wife and I, and another couple went over to some friend's house. And so there's there's the six of us adults and then our eight children. And uh, we're all in like a 1,500 square foot home. So not a, not a huge house, you know. And uh, we're just talking, whatever. And uh, we ended up, you know, a bunch of us were in the kitchen talking. And, and uh, when we went back in the living room, my wife goes, my purse is missing. And we're like, well, okay. You know, when the kids dragged it somewhere, we're looking around. And I'm like, no, you, maybe you didn't bring it because we couldn't find it anywhere. She says, no, I'm 100% sure I brought it. And as we're looking, Julie goes, wait, my purse is gone. We're like, no way. While we were all 14 of us in this one little house, someone walked in, took both purses and got away. Is that nuts? Friday night, that's in Simi Valley. This isn't out in the valley. Here, Okay. <laughs> Simi Valley. I mean, all of us in this one house and, and, and the, the whole night we're just going, that's impossible. That is impossible. How did we not see it? How did we not hear it? You know, this isn't that big of a place and everything else. How did we miss that? How in the world could that have happened? How did we not see it? Okay, so no big deal. No big deal. It's just, it's just a person. We're like, oh, big deal. Okay, well, we'll cover it. But to me, when I'm reading this, this Bible, you know, <laughs> I'm reading all of these passages on the Holy Spirit and I'm going, wait a second. How did I miss this? I've been studying this for 20 years. How did I miss this? How did I not focus on how much power is available to us through the Holy Spirit? And the more I study it, the more I'm going, man, this is so much. And, 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 and I know it's been a couple of weeks of this, but I'm going, you know what? There's going to be plenty more weeks of this. I don't know how long this series is going to go because there's so much I want to say. This is absolutely rocking my world. Um, it's, and, and I know as I talk about the Holy Spirit and I get so excited about him now that there are some of you in this room that are freaked out by this. Because you, like I, have grown up in conservative churches where, where you know, you, you're always taught about what the Holy Spirit does not do, you know, and he doesn't do this, he doesn't do that. And, and I agree with a lot of that, but I'm tired of talking about what he doesn't do, okay? I know the boundaries, okay? I, I know the biblical boundaries, okay? So don't, don't worry about that, okay? No one's going to stand up in the middle of the service and go, hey, I got a word from the Lord, you know, Jesus... Uh, Jesus is cursed, you know, or whatever. That's what happened in the Corinthian church. Those exact words. Someone stood up in the congregation and said, Jesus is cursed. And, and the Bible says that the people just kind of accepted it. Oh, okay. He got a word from the Lord. I can't argue that. Yeah, said, the Bible is clear that you don't, you don't contradict the scriptures if you're speaking by the Holy Spirit. Okay, so so let me put you at rest. Francis isn't going nuts. Okay, we're not going to have anyone say anything that contradicts the word of God. Okay, I also know that the Bible teaches that there is order in a service and and people aren't allowed to just, you know, create chaos. You know, we're not just all going to stand up and and say we're speaking in different languages. And because the Bible says, look, you don't do that in a service. People are going to walk in and think you're crazy. He goes, you know what, if you have that gift, go display it amongst the unbelievers. But when the, when the church gets together, the gifts of the Spirit are meant, it says, for the common good. That means if you really are experiencing the Holy Spirit and He truly has gifted you, it's going to help everyone in this room. It's for the common good. Like, I believe that when I teach, it's by the power of the Spirit, and, and that I'm exercising my gift that God has given me through the Holy Spirit to change lives. And it's for the common good. It's going to make sense. It's going to help you. You know, if someone stands up in the middle of service and goes, Woo, I feel the Spirit. You know, and starts, and starts, you know, making chicken noises. You guys... That's not the Holy Spirit, because that really doesn't help anyone, okay? 
I mean, it's, it's entertaining, you know, woke a few people up, but it's not helping. There's, there's order. There's a purpose. God gives, you know, God gives power for a reason. Okay. There's this, and I understand this. So understand we're not going there. I also know that, that, you know what? Not everyone receives the same gift. Okay, there are people who say, no, if you receive the Holy Spirit, you're going to receive this supernatural gift. The Bible clearly refutes that and says, look, not everyone has the gift of prophecy. Not everyone has the gift of healing. Not everyone has the gift of tongues. You know, but the Spirit himself decides who to give what to what. And so there's not going to be any of this teaching that, well, when you receive the Holy Spirit, you need to react this way or do this. And we all do. No, that's that, that that's just not what the Bible teaches. But you know what? I, I feel like I've spent so many years and all my theological training was all about be careful of this. Be careful of that. Be careful of this. Be careful of that, which I agree. But OK, now let's talk about what he does do. <laughs> let's talk about this amazing stinking power that is inside. I'm stinking. That's the sacrilege. I'm just you, you know what I that's meant in a good way. It's just like it should be. <laughs> I'm sorry. That was not of the spirit. Okay. <laughs> I, what I'm trying to say, and it's driving me crazy, is there ought to be so much power in all of our lives. I mean, so much, so much. And when I read this Bible and I read it over and over again, I'm going, man, what it says about this power, it's never totally made sense to me because I'm going, wait, if this is true, there should be a lot more power in all of us. And there ought to be quite a difference in our lives. It, I mean, you think about it. If, if, if I told you, um, if I told you that, uh, okay, how many of you guys played in, uh, have ever played in one of our basketball leagues here at the church? Bunch of you. Okay. Okay. A few of you. So you guys have seen me play, right? <laughs> and you're chuckling. Okay. John, how good am I? I, I mean, honestly. Yeah. Yeah, average, average, exactly. Okay, except when, uh, except when Gary Norton's guarding me. That's when I had the game of my life. I couldn't have done it without you, Gary. Um, but, but other than when Gary is guarding me, I'm just a mediocre player. Okay, when he guards me, I can do anything. It's great. But, but let's. Um, but what if I told you? Okay, what if I told you? Then suddenly I go, you guys, this next season's going to be different because I had an experience. And God spoke to me as I was watching a Laker game and says, Francis, I'm going to give you so much power, like supernatural power. You see Kobe out there? It's not even going to compare. This is like beyond that. And I'm going, no way. And what if I start telling all of you guys, you guys, this happened. Wait till next season. Wait till next season. And then next season comes and we start playing basketball. And it's the same old me. You're swatting me left and right. <laughs> what will you think about me? You'll think... I lied, right? You're like, that didn't happen. If God really gave you a power to play basketball, you wouldn't play like that. You, you, you'd be dominating. It wouldn't matter who's guarding you or how many people are guarding if God really did that. So you would look at my life, look at the evidence and go, obviously God didn't really come into you to gift you to play basketball. You guys, I bring this up because so many of us in this room and so many churchgoers all across America claim to have had a conversion experience where God himself came into their bodies, where the Holy Spirit of God came into them to change their character, to make them a new being, to make them more filled with love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. It's, it's he's transformed you. And then I look at the lives of people who say they have the Holy Spirit. Then I look at a lot of my friends who deny Jesus Christ, who deny the Bible, deny God. I'm going, wait, they seem friendlier, more loving, more patient, more kind, more forgiving. And I'm going, okay, this doesn't make any sense to me. Because if the Holy Spirit really did come into these people's lives, when I read the scripture, it should transform them. You should become a new creation where the old is gone and new things have come. People should look at you and go, wow, what has gotten into you? And you can say, not what, but who? God came into my life and he just changed everything. When I read the Bible, that's what I get about the Holy Spirit. That there should be tremendous, tremendous power. And I know you've read these passages before yourself and you've thought the same thing. And it's not even necessarily in a judgmental attitude about other Christians. It's about looking at your own life and going, I should be a lot more powerful than this. Haven't you thought that? 
Haven't you read about the Holy Spirit and thought, man, there's got to be more. There's got to be more. And I, when I, the more I read this, the more I go, you know what? My biggest sin against Cornerstone Church over the last 13 and a half years is I have not dwelt on the Holy Spirit enough. And I have not spoken about the Holy Spirit enough. That's why, I mean, I don't know when I'm going to stop speaking about him. I mean, there is so much to say and so much that should transform this church. We should look so different from the rest of the world because God lives inside of us. You guys, I'm just, too much is explainable. Too much in the American church makes sense with or without the Holy Spirit. And this is what I'm tired of. Okay, how, how many people here run a business? Like you run it, you own it. Okay, quite a few of you. All right, wow, okay. Um, what do you do? Did you raise your hand? Yeah. Tile con, okay, that won't work. Um, <laughs> how about a business where you don't have to work with your hands? Um, yeah, okay, okay. Okay, Bill, American Vision. If I came to you, okay, knowing what you know of me, okay, this has nothing to do with our friendship or whatever else, you've just seen me up here, know what I'm probably good at. If I came to you, I said, Bill, I want a job, I, I want to quit this, and I really think I could pull off, I, I think I could sell, if you want me to sell windows, I could do that, but I think I could pull off a management position at American Vision. I think I could motivate people. Um, and I know you have an opening in this one area. And if I, if I just came to you and, and no bias has nothing to do with our friendship, just based on what you know of me, would you give me a shot? Uh, probably not. Probably not. Why? <laughs> wow. This is really backfiring. Okay. <laughs> You're not sure of my giftedness. Okay, what position would you allow me to have in your business? Like a canvasser. Like a canvas, low-level canvasser. Okay, all right, all right, all right. (laughs) Oh, and go someone else. Who else has a business? Canvassing. You're serious? No, this is a. You, you'd let me sell windows? No, no, no. yeah, no. Th- no, no, throw out our friendship. Okay, don't throw out who I am. Okay, thank you. Okay, okay. So you were throwing out like I'm just some stranger. No, no, I didn't mean like throw, yeah, I just meant like any personal friendship, but just going, okay, I see this guy, I've seen him for a few years, I kind of know what he's do. I see what he's done, you know, would you give me a position where I could lead people? Okay, I would, okay, thank you. Okay, now, my point is, I, I mean, I mean, whatever, like, like okay, John, you, you do, like, life insurance, uh, or insurance, just insurance, insu- isn't that what you do? Life, health, whatever insurance. I mean, if I said, you know what, John, I really think I could sell. I think I could talk people into buying life insurance, health insurance. I, I promise you, I'll study it. I, I can figure this stuff out. You know, could I, could I get a job with you? I mean, you think I'd do okay if I, if I tried to sell? Yeah? You think I could sell? Okay. Okay. All right. Good, good. Yeah, here's my point. Here's my point. And I, I, I hope you take this right. I'm not saying, well, look at everything I can do. Um... Because I can't do tile. Um, <laughs> there are certain things that I... See, I believe I could work at your company and I think I'd do a decent job. I, I think I just have some gifts in that area. I'm just talented that way. I think I could, I think I could sell life insurance. I think I could do mortgage loans. I think I could... I, I think there's different things. I think if I opened a restaurant, I, I, I think I could pull off a decent restaurant. I, like enough leadership talent. My point is this. Well, because I'm a pastor, well, then I think I can get a decent church. And I, could, I can build a decent church. Like there's a certain amount of just explainable. Um, where, look, all of us have different talents. People that live in the world that know nothing of God have certain talents. And they can pull certain things off by those talents. And yet in the Bible, when I hear about spiritual gifts, it goes beyond talent. 
And I go to way too many churches where I sit there and I go, well, this makes sense. The guy is a gifted speaker. I'd come listen to him. Well, the music's dis- you know, it's kind of cool. I like, I- I'd come. You know, the service is short enough to where, you know, when I get in and out and feel like I did something spiritual, it'll help me. you know, it makes sense is what I'm saying. They have a good dance team. They're good to drive. They have good videos. You know, they, they give you popcorn. They, they, you know, whatever it may be, you look and go, well, that makes sense. I would go regardless of what they're teaching. I'm saying that even if I didn't pastor a church and I just opened up a self-help clinic where I just said, hey, you guys, let's believe in ourselves. Let's look in the mirror and say, you are beautiful. You are wonderful. You can do it. You know, I bet you I do okay. Don't you think I do okay at that? I, I think I would do okay. See, and my point is I don't want that in this room. I don't want a bunch of stuff where we can explain and go, well, you know, he's a pretty convincing speaker. He'd probably talk me into buying a window, into insurance, into, you know, staring at the mirror and telling myself I'm a good person. I want the Spirit of God to do things where we go, well, that wasn't him. I mean, isn't that what you want when you come to church where you go, whoa, I can't explain that. See, and there have been times. There have been times in my life when I'll see someone's life change so radically, I'll go... That was not me. I can't manipulate that. That is something by the Holy Spirit of God that was supernatural. And when I see that, I go, oh, I just want more of that. But so much, I feel, can still be explained. I mean, haven't you done that? Where you go into a church and you just go, you know what? I get it. It makes sense. doesn't matter what faith it is. If he was teaching at a Mormon church, people would like it and get into it. If he was a Jehovah's Witness, they'd get into that. If he was Buddhist, they'd get into that. He's just, he's just good at what he does. You guys, who wants to be a part of that? When I read in the Bible about the power of the Holy Spirit, it is something that cannot be faked. It's something that can't be mimicked. It's not something that's just about raw talent. It's not about us getting some talented people up here to entertain you so you keep coming. There's something about when the Holy Spirit works in a person's life and when he gives someone to teach, then suddenly there's this power that comes from it. Suddenly something in your life just resonates and comes alive and you make these changes in your life where everyone just goes, what has gotten into you? What has changed you? That's the stuff that I see in the Bible. It's just crazy, supernatural, unexplainable events in people's lives. It's a life change. You should be able to look at one person who has the Spirit of God and one person who does not, and it should be obvious. And what I'm saying is it's not obvious. I'm not talking about just our church. I'm just talking about American Christianity altogether. I mean, how many people claim to be Christians? And then I see some much nicer people who have nothing to do with the Spirit of God. And hasn't that bugged you your whole life where you just go, this does not make sense. Now I think a big reason is because we just don't think about the power of the Holy Spirit enough. Man, He is everything. Everything, everything, everything. If you have your Bibles, turn to Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 1. Remember last week we, we spoke out of John chapter 14 through 16. You remember in John chapter, John chapters 14 through 16, Jesus tells his disciples, he just makes this grand announcement about how he's leaving the earth, but he tells them, he goes, but don't worry, don't be scared, everything's fine. In fact, it's just gonna get better. Everything's gonna get better because I'm leaving and I'm gonna send the Holy Spirit. (laughs) So this, watch out. Okay, you thought it was good hanging out with me. Wait till the Holy Spirit comes and actually comes inside of you. This will be to your advantage. And the truth is is that most of us don't really see it as an advantage. And we'd much rather have Jesus in the room. I mean, if I told you this morning that, hey, we can have Jesus come in the flesh and be here with us, and we'd have him speak, I mean, can you imagine how excited you'd be? But now I'm saying, no, you get to hear me speak, and the Holy Spirit's inside of me. And he's inside of you. Now, would you honestly say you'd rather have that than having Jesus here speaking? Because he says this is to your advantage. This is better. Don't think, oh, it'd be cool if we could actually hear Jesus speak. No, the Bible says, no, this is to your advantage. Because people will speak and they'll actually have the spirit inside of them. And he will speak through them. And you'll have the spirit inside of you. And it'll resonate with you. And these crazy things will happen as we share the word of God together. 
So he promises that in John 14, and then, uh, and then Jesus, then he dies, like he said he would, and then he rises from the dead, he rises from the dead, and a lot of times we skip this next part. We go, yeah, then he ascended into heaven. No! Then he walked around the earth for a while. He walked around for about 40 days, and he said some things, very important things. Typically when you rise from the grave to say something, it's important, okay? <laughs> He rises from the grave and he says some things to disciples. In Acts chapter 1, here are some of the things. In Acts chapter 1 verse 4, it says, On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Okay, so he tells his disciples, okay, he rises from the grave and he says, you guys, wait here. Don't go telling the whole world about me yet. Because you don't have power to do that. He goes, remember when you were baptized? Remember when you were baptized by John? You went in the water, you know, you were immersed in the water, you were dipped in the water. He goes, okay, in a few days, something's going to happen to you. You're going to be immersed in the Holy Spirit. You're going to be dipped, drenched. He's just going to come upon you. He goes, and then you're going to have some serious power. So don't go out without that type of power. You wait for this power. He tells him, don't leave Jerusalem. So if I'm one of the disciples, I mean, if you're one of the disciples, can you imagine? You're in Jerusalem going, what is going to happen in a few days? I mean, this is going to be better than having Jesus here. He says, we're just going to be immersed. We're just going to be baptized into this Holy Spirit that he promised. And he says, then we're going to change the world then we are going to be his witnesses, he says, to the ends of the earth. And so we read on in verse 6. It says, so when they met together, they asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, it's not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So disciples want to know, oh, oh, is this the time? Is this the end times thing? You know, I always read about this. this is when Israel is going to be... Re-. He goes, you know what? Don't change the subject. It's not for you to know that stuff. He goes, what I'm telling you is you're going to receive power. Stay focused here. You're going to receive power. You're going to receive power. And by this power, you're going to be my witnesses all around the world. Okay? And so they're waiting, they're waiting, they're waiting. And then in Acts chapter 2... So they're waiting in this upper room praying, saying, come on, Spirit, come. God, I don't even know what's going to happen. I have no clue. These disciples don't know what in the world is going to happen. They just know something will. Something big will happen. And so they're waiting, waiting, waiting. Then Acts chapter 2 comes. And it says in verse 1, When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly... A sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. And all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other languages or in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Okay, so imagine this. They're sitting in a room and suddenly they just hear this intense noise. It'd be like us sitting here. Then suddenly the sound like a hurricane comes in the room. You're thinking, what is going on? And you're anticipating. You knew something was going to happen. Now you hear this noise. Then suddenly you see fire come down from heaven. And it, and it says they're, they're like tongues of fire. Like They look like little tongues that came and rested on them. And then suddenly everyone starts speaking a different language. Out of nowhere, languages that were not known to you, you start speaking these other languages. And then it, the story goes on in verse 5. It says, now, that, now there were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard the sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard them speaking in his own language. Utterly amazed, they asked, are not all these men who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears them in his own native language? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, parts of Libya, near Serene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs. 
we hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. Amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, what does this mean? So you've got people, I mean, you heard the list, from all over the place, speaking all these different languages. They show up in this one location, and they're looking at a group of Galileans, and they're listening to them speak and going, hey, I, I hear that guy, he's speaking Arabic. Someone else goes, mamma mia, he's speaking Italian. <laughs> You know, and so, so someone else, you know, is going, wait, wait, that, I understood that. That was Chinese. All these guys from all these different regions, like, wow, que pasa? You know, what just happened here? That, so they are freaked out. I mean, can you imagine? It, you know, it'd be like if you went to a foreign country and then someone started speaking English perfectly, you know, and the guy next to him is speaking some other language and you're all just sitting around going, Okay, see, that is the Holy Spirit. When you look and go, no way. The Holy Spirit is not something that can be mimicked. It's not someone where you look at and go, I could do that. The Holy Spirit was mind-blowing to where people were bewildered. They were amazed. They were speechless. And, And then what do they ask? They go, okay, what is this? What does this mean? What does this mean? See, that's exactly what what Jesus said the Holy Spirit was going to do. He was going to give them power so that they could be witnesses. And so now suddenly they have this power and it's so powerful that everyone's coming and going, wow, what is this? And now suddenly Peter gets to preach the message. And then later on in the chapter in verse verse, uh, 36 of Acts 2, Peter says this. Therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. He goes, here's the message. Here's the point. God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. He goes, remember that man who hung on the cross that we call Jesus? He's the Lord. You crucified the Son of God. That's what this is about. And then he goes on. And, and, and it says that when the people heard this, they're going, oh, no way. That was the Son of God. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the apostles, brothers, what do we need to do? What, 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 do we, what do we need to do? I, I mean, we're seeing this. There's something real going on here. How am I supposed to respond to this? And Peter tells him, and, and this is killing me, okay? Verse 38 just killed me this week because I'm going, what? How many times have I taught this verse and I'll stop after a fourth of it or a half of it or maybe three-fourths of it? And I never emphasize the end of it, which really is the point of it. In verse 38, Peter replies to the people that go, what do we do? He goes, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. You see, the Holy Spirit drew them there, intrigued them. They're going, what in the world is this? What is going on? What does this mean? And Peter says, listen, this Jesus that you crucified, that's what this is all about. They're like, okay, what do we need to do? What do we need to do? He goes, okay, if you'll repent and you get baptized, you can have the same Holy Spirit. See what's going on here? You see that power? That can be yours. That's the promise. You can have this whole... And, and, and what bugged me was like, ah, oh, what am I doing? How many times have I gotten on this stage? You guys, have, you guys hear me every week. And I'll talk about because I want to make sure everyone in here knows what this is all about. I want, I want to make sure, if this is your first time every week, I just want to make sure you understand, look, this is about God here. And it doesn't matter what you've done, how good you think you are, how evil you, you think you are, it doesn't matter. Okay, God loves you. God loves you. And the truth is, is you have done things that are offensive to him. It doesn't matter how bad it was. That God still loves you. He loved you so much that he had his son die on a cross for you. See, Jesus on that cross, he made him who knew no sin become sin on your behalf. Jesus took your sin upon him. He paid the penalty. So at the end of your life, if you believe, if you believe in that, then you don't have to pay for your penalty. Christ already did. And, and I tell you, I go, so you can come and you can accept Jesus into your life and you can get baptized. Baptism shows that, you know what, he, he died and rose again in the same way. You're dying to that old you. You're turning from that old lifestyle. And you're saying, you know, I want to follow. So I've shared all that. But then the verse goes on and, and says, 
And when you do that, you're going to receive the Holy Spirit of God. God's Spirit will come into you. That is so huge. I'm not saying I've never read it. I'm not saying I haven't already always believed it. I'm just saying, man, I haven't emphasized that. That is so huge. Do you understand? That's the promise that God's Spirit will come into you. See, I, I, I believe that. See, and that's the thing is, is how many people too, and, and I bet you there's some in this room where you've thought about getting baptized, but then you think to yourself, well, I don't want to be a hypocrite. I don't want to be like all the hypocrites who get baptized and they live the same old life. And I want to make sure that I'm really going to live the life first. And so when I've proven myself, whatever that means, whenever I feel like I've been living the Christian life, then I'll get baptized and then I'll become a Christian. And I'm going, that this doesn't make any sense. You're never going to pull off the Christian life. Not until the Spirit of God comes into your body. That's your whole point. The point is of repentance is, man, I've been living this way for so long, but man, I see Jesus. I see what he offers. I want him now. But you realize you're powerless to do so. And the Bible says that's why you need to get baptized and then have the Holy Spirit of God come into you. And now suddenly you're going to be a new creation. Now suddenly all those sins you couldn't get rid of before, you can do it now. You've got this new power. God will literally come inside of your body. And when he does that, it's, it's going to change everything. He's going to absolutely change everything. Do you believe that? See, do you really believe when that Holy Spirit comes in that it's going to be completely... See, I think sometimes we get scared. We get scared. Well, Francis, don't preach the Holy Spirit too much because what if it doesn't work for someone? Isn't there a fear? What if they fall back and they're going to reject everything? You can't go there. It's it's like a... That's stupid. Yeah, I'll tell Um, It's a... You know, uh, several months ago, I took my wife to a movie. We don't go to movies very often, but there's a really good, uh, you know, romance movie called Nacho Libre. And uh, <laughs> anyone see that movie, Nacho Libre? And and uh, it's about this uh, this 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 guy who's a monk or a, a priest in training, and he helps cook at the orphanage, but he wants to be a pro wrestler. And uh, and so he he dresses up, puts on the costume, becomes Nacho Libre, you know. And, uh, and he's fighting for the orphans. It's really beautiful. And, uh, but he keeps losing, keeps losing. And then his partner goes, I know someone that can get you eagle eggs. And if you eat the, the yolk of the e- eagle eggs, you'll have great power. And he goes, okay. So you see him scaling this wall and he breaks open an eagle egg and the yolk all over his face. And, ah, you know, and he's just so far. And I remember seeing the movie the first, uh, I'm admitting I saw it a few times. Uh, I bought it. I bought it. Okay. I I know your respect level just dropped. But um, I remember seeing, and after he ate the eagle eggs, I was so excited. I'm like, oh, this is going to be awesome. Like I, you know, and, and suddenly, you know, and his friend goes, summon the power of the eagle eggs. And he's like, ooh, ooh. <laughs> it's a really dumb movie. But, uh, and I, I am just excited. I'm going, well, okay, he's going to start beating everyone. But then he gets beat up. And then he loses to a couple girls. And then, I mean, it's just a story of basically it did nothing. And, uh, gosh, why did I even bring that up? The point is, I feel like we have that fear with the Holy Spirit. Like, I'm going to tell someone. And this has been, I'll, I'll be honest, some of my fear. It's like, I don't want to tell someone, okay, the Spirit's going to come into you and he's going to change you. Because there's a part of me that's going, well, what if he doesn't? then this is all a lie. And so maybe if I just don't say anything about his power, then I can't lose. You guys, but that's what faith is about. I have to believe. And I have to believe, for those of you who your life is no different, I've got to, no different, I've got to believe the Holy Spirit didn't really come into you. Or you're doing an amazing job hiding him. I mean, you're able to suppress God. That's pretty powerful. No, I'd have to say you don't get it. Because everything I read in that book 
is if the Holy Spirit really came into a person, he would be transformed. And so it's not that the Holy Spirit did not work. It's that you didn't really believe in him. And you did not really decide to turn and follow Jesus. Maybe you are still going down your path and saying, well, yeah, I'd like a little Holy Spirit. Maybe he can help me along my path. You know, maybe, maybe I, I could use it. Let me put him in my back pocket and like a little power that I could use every now and then. Well, you know what? He's, he's not a power that you just wield wherever you want. He's a person. The Bible refers to him as a he. And it says that we follow him. And those who follow the Holy Spirit are the ones that are going to have power to follow the Spirit and, and put to death the deeds of the flesh. I mean, if you have your Bibles, turn to Romans 8. Romans 8. I don't have time to get into the whole, you know, chapter, but read, read the whole chapter. Read, read the whole book. Uh, but Romans 8. Read the whole Bible. Okay, Romans 8. It's all really good. Okay, Romans 8, verse 9 says, You, however, are not, you, 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 you believers, you have those, you are not controlled. You are controlled not by the sinful nature. Okay, you are, and literally it says you are not in the flesh. You don't just do what you want to do. He says you are not, you are controlled not by the sinful nature, but by the Spirit if the Spirit of God lives in you. And if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to Christ. Okay, that's a very important phrase. If anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he doesn't belong to Christ. And it's interesting how in that Bible, one time he refers to it right there in that verse, how he refers to him as the Spirit of God. And then in the same sense, he refers to him as the Spirit of Christ. What does that tell you? Christ, God, it's interchangeable. And, and I don't understand that. Okay, I don't get it. I don't understand how, how he's the Father, and yet he's the Son, yet he's the Spirit, and yet, yet he's, he's only one. I don't understand it. I don't get it. There are mysteries in this book where I'm like, I don't understand how God exists completely. But what I do know is this verse does say that if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he doesn't belong to Christ. So, let me ask you a question. Is there such thing as a Christian who does not have the Holy Spirit? No. It says right there. If you don't have the Holy Spirit, then you don't belong to Christ. Okay, so, so get rid of any theology in your head where you maybe were taught, well, there are Christians and then there are Christians with the Holy Spirit. You know, and people will call, do you, is this a Christian church? Yeah, you know, do you guys have the Holy Spirit in your church? And it's like, no, we're one of those Christian churches without the Holy Spirit. <laughs> it doesn't make sense. There's no such thing as a Christian who does not have the Holy Spirit. Okay? And now he goes on, he says, but, if, 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 that's a big if, if Christ really is in you, okay, if the Spirit of Christ really is in you, if Christ is in you, your body is dead because of sin, yet your spirit is alive because of righteousness. And if the Spirit of Him who raised, think about this, the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, then He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through His Spirit who lives in you. He's saying, do you understand this? Your spirit was dead. And now God puts his spirit inside of you and you come alive. And he, you see, if, if, if your spirit came alive, you would notice it. It's been dead all this time, now suddenly it's alive. And then he ex- makes sure you understand. You under- now he goes, I'm not talking about a little power. I'm not talking about a little tweaking in your life. I'm talking about the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead. Imagine, imagine right now, dead body, crucified, beaten up, you know, spear stuck in its side, just dead as dead can be. And suddenly you see this thing rise up and walk around. The awe you would feel. And God says, you know that kind of power? That's inside of you now. That's inside of you. Now you're gonna, you're gonna tell me, see, and, and what bugs me so much is in the church, we deal with our issues exactly the same way they do in the world with people who don't have the Spirit. Where we'll sit around and whine and hug and cry and go, oh, poor you, yeah, you know, it stinks being me. Yeah, it stinks being me too. I, I can't get rid of the sin for the life of me. And I'm going, what are you talking about? So you're saying, well, yeah, you know what? God, you're powerful enough to raise Jesus from the dead, but my issues are bigger than that. 
Well, that makes a lot of sense. No, he says, you've got an amazing power. Quit living like you're, you're powerless. The Spirit of God is inside of you now. Or did it even happen? Because your spirit should be alive right now. Yeah, the stuff you couldn't do before, that's the past. You're a new creation now. The Spirit's in you. And then he says this, verse 12, he says, Therefore, brothers, we've got an obligation here. We have an obligation, but it is not to the sinful nature. See, you don't have an obligation to the old you. You can't say, if you're a Christian, you can't say, I'm stuck. I'm obligated. I am stuck in the sin. He goes, you don't have that type of obligation. You're not stuck in anything. He goes, you don't have an obligation to be stuck in that sinful nature. But he says, you have an obligation. He says, for if you live according to the sinful nature, you're going to die. But you know what your obligation is? It says, but if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. Because those who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. He goes, you've got an obligation. You've got serious power in you, and now you have an obligation. He goes, your obligation is not to just wake up in the morning and say, what do I feel like doing? And then you just go into whatever makes you feel good. He goes, if you are following that, if you're in that pattern, he says, you will die. What, is he talking about physical death? Of course not, because everyone's going to die. He goes, but if you go down this path of just living in your sin, continuing your sin, he goes, you're headed for an eternal death. He goes, you have an obligation. That's going to kill you. Or you can put to death the misdeeds of the flesh. By the power of the Spirit, you can put to death. You see, it's a very, it's like this graphic, violent, warlike term. It's, it's basically saying this. You either kill or be killed. Either you are going to put to death, kill your sin, or your sin's going to kill you. There's no in between here. He goes, well, I think I'm one of those Christians that just walks in his sin. No. There's two types of people here, one who is killed by his sin and the other who is killing his sin. It's a picture of two fighters getting into the ring and fighting till death. It's like Al and I getting up here and saying, okay, one of us walks out of here. One of us leaves this room alive. And you know what? We're going to battle it out and it's going to be a gruesome, ugly fight. And, it, and I may be scratched up, but I'll get out of here. You know, it's, this, it's, it's a war. I am going to win. You guys, that is the picture that's drawn here. It's like, here's my sin and here's the spirit. And so either my sin is going to kill me or I am going to put it to death. And the Bible says the people that are led by the spirit, they're going to put their sins to death. Those are the sons of God. The other people, they're the ones that don't have the spirit of God, are not led by the spirit of God. And they're going to continue and they have this obligation to their sin and they're going to die. Because that's why, look, if you see garbage in my life, if you see sin in my life, do not come over to me and give me a big hug and cry with me and say, oh, you poor, powerless, pitiful thing. You know, it, it's okay, Francis. You know what? Wah, you, you had a tough childhood. Wah, you don't have a daddy. Wah, you know, you know, let's think back to your childhood. No, look at me in the eyes and say, knock it off. You're a man of God. You've got the spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. Now put that thing to death. Put that sin to death. You're powerful. That's what this passage is teaching us. Look, that, that, that's the only choice you have. You can sit here and go, wham, wham, I'm enslaved by it. I can't help it. Or you go, no, I've got the Spirit of God. I'm going to put this thing to death. He says, if you put it to death, you're going to live. You let it kill you, you're going to die. That's all it says. And then it very clearly says, he says, for those who are led by the Spirit of God. Remember, led by the Spirit of God. Those are the sons of God. They're led by the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God is not a lifeless power. It is a person. He, he, he. The Bible says he. We're led by him. He leads us. If you came to this church today saying, you know what? I could use a little God. That's not what this is about. Okay? Find some other power, you know? Channel something else. God says, if you want to follow me, you follow me i lead and those who follow me those are my kids my kids will follow me and you guys this is the most beautiful part of the whole thing do not miss this 
I love it. Verse 15. For you did not receive a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear, but you received the spirit of sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Okay, you gotta, you can't leave without getting this. The Bible teaches, and I can't even explain it completely, but somehow, if you have the Holy Spirit of God inside of your body, the Bible says somehow God's very spirit unites with your own spirit and actually speaks to your spirit. And actually there's like this relationship going on between God's spirit and your spirit so that inside of you, from the very depths of your being, the very depths of your soul, you just cry out to God, Oh, Daddy, Abba, Father, there's something in you that just knows that the Spirit somehow testifies to you, witnesses to you, that God loves you like a father. And somehow it also creates this this yearning in you where inside the depths of your being, you just want to cry out, the Bible says, Abba, Father. Now, I don't know, have any clue how to explain it, but I can tell you, man, it's happened to me. I don't know how to explain it for you, but when I read those verses, I go, oh, I get that. Absolutely. Something inside of me just cries out, oh, that's that's my father up there. I am loved by him. It's not a spirit of fear. He says he didn't make me a spirit of fear of slavery where I go, that's my master. I am just a slave, you know, and I I decide at the end or he decides whether he's going to beat me or it's not about that. He says, when the spirit comes into you, there's this spirit of sonship. There's a spirit of security where where you just cry out, Daddy. You know that God loves you and you know that you love him. All I can tell you is, man, there are times when we're worshiping in this room where I just go, oh, God, I love you so much. There are times when I'm alone and I'm praying. And you guys, I've literally said this to God before several times where I go, God, do you love everyone like this? Where I I seriously wonder, I go, God, it feels like you love me more than all those people in the room. Like, like we have this relationship. Do you make everyone feel this way? Like, like the way you answer all my prayers, the way you hear everything, like, like I know I am loved by God. And sometimes I even think, man, God, there's no way you could love everyone this much. I mean, still, I still wonder that. I'm like, God, you, 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 you are so good to me. As much as I love my wife, my kids, whatever. But you, Dad, Father, I am crazy about you. Have you ever felt that? Do you believe that? Is, does your spirit testify that you are a child of God? Does your life, by the way you're living and the way you're putting to death, the deeds of the flesh, does it just show you that, yes, you're a child of God? It's the greatest thing. Because, like, I don't have a spirit of fear. God's my dad. He loves me. He is crazy about me. And and not only that, but he's put his spirit in me to where I don't have to fear. Okay, am I going to fail as a pastor? No, I'm not. I'm not going to fail in anything. I can put to death any deed of the flesh. There may be times when I deny, you know, and I screw up or whatever. But it's because I, I take my eyes. I set my mind off of the spirit. But I can live each day with confidence. And too many people who call themselves believers live defeated lives. Their lives look nothing different from their neighbors, except sometimes their neighbors are nicer, you know, and we've all seen it and it's bugged us. And, and, and I, all I'm trying to say today is, look, I'm done playing church, you know, I mean, I, I don't care. I, I, I don't care to have a ton of people come and, and go, oh, neat, he's funny, you know, big deal. I want to see the Spirit of God transform lives. I, 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 want, I want some of your lives to be turned around so much that we go, what in the world got into him? What in the world happened to her? I want people to hear about Cornerstone Church a few months ago, a few months from now and go, what happened in that place? Man, it just seems like the people just came alive. And I want it to be because of the Spirit of God. I, I don't want to rally and... And cheer you on and say, hey, you guys, you know, let's, I love Jesus. How about you? You know, and, and let's, let's just do a big pep rally thing. I'm just going, God, I don't know what you're going to do. 
I'm going to pray like crazy because this is not supernatural enough for me because I, I see a lot more in that book. And you said the promise is not just for them 2,000 years ago. He's repent, be baptized. And that next verse is the promise is for you, for your children, and for those who are far off. That means if you today say, you know what, I believe in Jesus. I don't want to live my way. I want to follow him. And if you get baptized today, God's spirit will come into you. And he will radically change your life. He will radically change your life. And people will see and notice and they'll be drawn and say, what's this church that changed you around? And they'll come and they're saying, what, what was all this mean? I, I, I knew Charlie before. Now I see his life. What is that all about? I knew Kathleen. What a, what a mess she was. And now, now look at her. What, what is this? And then I can say, well, here's the message. And that, that Holy Spirit that changed her life, that Holy Spirit that changed Lori's life, that Holy Spirit that changed Tammy's life, Robin's life, you know what? You can have that same Holy Spirit. Are you serious? I, I can have that because I saw what changed his life, her life. I want that. Yeah, you can have that. That promise is for you. And he can come into you if you want to follow him. He'll give you the ability to do so. See, that's what this is supposed to be about. But are people doing that about your life? If not, let's start praying. God, change me. Change me. Fill me with your spirit. That's why tomorrow night, I, just, I emailed you guys. If you don't didn't get an email, then write it, your email address on the card and throw it in the offering. But I, I said, you know, I just want to get the whole church together on Monday night. Let's just show up at 7. We'll have child care ages 0 to 5. And let's just worship and pray and just say, God, you want to fill us with your spirit. Blow us away. Do things we're not expecting because there should be a lot more power here. Let's just pray, pray, worship, worship, worship. I don't know what's going to happen. I don't have a sermon plan. We're just going to pray. We're going to worship. Well, you know, different ones of you can stand up, read scripture. I just want to worship him. I just want to see the supernatural. And I don't want people walking in here and go, well, it makes sense. He's a pretty good communicator. He can get people to come. I come listen to him even though I don't believe what he says. I don't want that. I want people to walk in and see a bunch of people that are just so changed and so powerful that people go, I want whatever he has. I want whatever she has. And then we can say, okay, here's what you do.